0: Welcome to Just Us, before birth and beyond. We invite you to tune in for a podcast focused on perinatal and community health. In an effort to raise awareness and start a conversation about perinatal health, our hosts have joined forces with doulas, midwives, nurses, lactation consultants, and physicians from across North Carolina to share best practices, lived experiences, and lessons learned. Just Us explores real topics and dives into what has happened, what is happening, and what can happen next. In the sexual and reproductive health and wellness space. Our goal is to learn and grow together in order to take care of ourselves and each other so that we can all live our healthiest lives. Thank you for being here and let's get started. Hi, good afternoon. How are you, Dr. Johnson? Hey, Cindy, I'm good. How are you? Excited to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We are so excited to have you here with us today. First, I would like to start off like like really formally introducing you and
0: who you are, where you're from. My name is Jasmine Johnson. I am a maternal fetal medicine physician. So I received training in OBGYN after medical school and then did some subspecialty training in maternal fetal medicine, which is high-risk pregnancy. So now I provide health care for those who have a high-risk pregnancy, either because they come into their pregnancy with a medical history that might be complex or they, or their baby gets a diagnosis in pregnancy that makes things more complex. I actually just finished all of my training and that's my, my North Carolina connection, but I just moved to Indianapolis from Durham, North Carolina, where I was getting all my medical training at UNC, so I definitely miss North Carolina, but at UNC during my training, I started my research career, and so one of the facets of maternal fetal medicine, some of us do research, and I'm looking at Black maternal health outcomes and really want to focus my career on health equity, so I'm excited to talk to you today and get more into it
1: oh wow that's that's awesome. That's amazing. and yeah. wow, I hope Indianapolis is treating you well because we cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, since you've been doing this work, I mean cause i'm I'm intrigued, you know, you know, black maternal health has been really a a big topic of discussion how has this work kind of like changed you in any way like since you're in the in the medical field has is this work? Yeah.
0: Well, I think, you know, before I even became a doctor, this was near and dear to my heart as a, as a black woman who now has gone through two pregnancies, one of them an unplanned pregnancy in college. That's what really brought me to women's health to start. And then seeing how my experiences varied so much between pregnancies. So being this Black woman in an inner city with, you know, without my college degree quite yet, unmarried, there are a lot of assumptions that the world makes about Black mothers. And so I felt a lot of weight, even though my pregnancy was medically uncomplicated, that there were a lot of social determinants of health that I had to navigate. And I didn't have a lot of people advocating for me. My OBGYN, however, was amazing. And so she is probably the reason I went into OB to begin with. And then my second pregnancy, having insurance through med school, being able to say I was a medical student and advocate for myself in different ways, but also feeling like kind of what the world teaches us are those perfect protective factors against bad outcomes, you know, there was no difference. I was the same person during my first pregnancy and my second pregnancy. But I think what was important to note is that just those those variables, change of a zip code, change of an insurance status, for some patients, those are protective, but we know for Black women, those aren't protective factors. And so I would say my, my road to this world is quite personal. But then doing the work now, I do feel not only responsibility for my community, but also a responsibility to make sure that the research that we do elevates the voices of Black women because a lot of times we've been silenced or we aren't represented. And so it feels sometimes like a heavy load to carry, but I'm excited that I have the opportunity.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Cause, I mean, that's deep mm-hmm. um, to see that perspective. I mean, and now that you are a doctor... And so how do you operationalize the value of what you've learned that lived experience because you have the lived experience and what you how you practice today?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we always talk about black black women only make up about mm, 3 to 4% of all physicians in the workforce. So operationalizing equity really must engage everyone. And so as much as my patients are seeking out black doctors and doctors that look like them, like it is very important for physicians who aren't black or of other races and ethnicities to equip themselves with knowledge. And I tell the interns I used to do this talk at the beginning of the year for like new OBGYN doctors And with respect to equity, I say, it's kind of like when you're in the airport and you see all those signs that say, if you see something, say something and Mm -hmm. operationalizing equity, I think the first step is giving people the agency to know that like they can speak up and say something. We, we're functioning in these systems that were built before we got here. And a lot of the inequities in medicine have foundations and Things that happened that were set up in our society that had nothing to do with us. And so now they've kind of melted together with everything else and we accept them as the norm when really they aren't. So when you're, when you're working and you hear something that doesn't feel right or you see a practice or I don't know, even an intake form that seems like it may be doesn't represent everyone. We need to speak up because a lot of times the people in power may not necessarily see those things the way we do. And so I think operationalizing it starts with creating this culture where people feel empowered to speak up when they, they witness things that could be inequitable.
1: Right. I, for sure. I 100% agree with that one. And you know, sometimes that can be challenging. Do you do you face any challenges, you know, either personally or professionally standing up and, and, and operate actually operating in this, this space. I mean, you have a, a platform. Do you face any challenges that, well,
0: I, I think I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that, you know, Sometimes speaking up feels uncomfortable. It can make you feel alienated, especially as someone who may be like the only black person in a particular room or meeting to have to speak up And speak out about issues related to my community. Sometimes it can just it can be exhausting. And I'm sure other people listening to this call, you've heard about like the black tax that we are responsible for being on all the committees and making all the strategic plans and all of that stuff. Like it it is exhausting. But I also feel that sometimes I used to feel like, you know, if I don't speak up, no one else will. But I also think that we have to model the behavior that we want to see. And so in that, you know, it's this double-edged sword where I feel like it shouldn't always be the Black person speaking up or researching Black maternal health or having these critical conversations. But I also feel like we are uniquely equipped to do so and we are the voices that need to be heard. And so that's what keeps me going. I always think about, this was like back when Oprah was on daytime TV and I think she might've had Maya Angelo on there and they just said like, do it afraid, like do it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the way you you frame that and, and it is it's heavy it's heavy so I think I think now I have to ask how do you how do you take care of yourself like in in these because it has to be complex on a lot of levels to navigate you know how do you how do you engage in self-care how do you engage with community you seem like you know easy to like get to talk to you have this self you you can relate you relatable like how do you take care of
0: jasmine
1: dr
0: john i'm still learning i'm still learning for sure i have not gotten the self-care thing down and i would say setting boundaries has been one of the biggest biggest self-care tools for me and that like we like we said before a lot of for a lot of us our identity is very deeply woven into what we do and so being able to kind of pause and take a step back from the work sometimes can be really important for our own self-care and just taking care of our mental health the other thing i would say is because our identities are so deeply woven into what we do sometimes we take you know, not being well received in a talk, or when we go to like pitch an idea or a project, not being well received with respect to this work as like a personal attack on us not being enough, or that we aren't worthy of the time or the grant money or that type of thing. And I think that we also have to remember that we are great at what we do because of who we are, but what we do is not who we are. And so that's been really important for me.
1: In your success because I feel like for me just, you know knowing some of your background and all, you know your story you've achieved and overcame a lot you know you, you touched a little bit on being a single mom you know your struggles navigating a system and having the support of our OBGYN I think that's that's like that's that's big all in itself because a lot of a lot of people wouldn't even think that an OB would take that type of time to show concern for someone. Yeah. And that's what that was a given to, you know, afforded to you. And that's a beautiful thing. It kind of was a, a driver for you to actually spread that on in the work that you do. And I love that. Um, like that, that's that's beautiful. What kind of advice would you give others like patients or clinicians, lawmakers, activists, individuals like myself who's out here doing this work <laughs> because it it's it's heavy
0: yeah
1: it's, it's a lot you know trying to navigate systems that just were not set up
0: for mm. success
1: for for people that look like me or people that look like you
0: sure I so I always tell patients I always start by saying there is nothing wrong with you There is nothing genetic about being Black that would explain the statistics that we have in our country when it comes to maternal health. And so when I give advice on things that you can do, I I always preface it by, these are things you can do to take your power back, but we have a lot to work in the medical community and establishment to right a lot of wrongs that we've historically done to the Black community. And so for patients, I think... The, the best place to start is by finding a team of care providers. So physicians, midwives, doulas, nurses, who you feel are having your best interest at heart. And so in a country where we spend so much money on healthcare, I think that people feel that they have to just accept whatever physician is put in front of them. And sometimes It does feel like you don't have a choice just because of like where you're getting your insurance or where you live. But I do think that if you feel like your doctor isn't listening to you, it's okay to request a different person in that practice. It's okay to switch doctors because we all should be given respectful care. And so I I think that a lot of people don't realize how much power they have when it comes to speaking up in an office and saying like, Hey, I don't. I feel that this provider wasn't listening to me, or I felt that their comment that they made was disrespectful or not culturally appropriate. That, that stuff is so important because we need patients to also speak up too, because as we're doing the inside work, I think that also was a, a good, you know, litmus test for us as to how well we're walking the walk. And so that would be my first step. And then again, I think for any appointment that you have, whether that's in pregnancy care or just like primary care, take someone with you. It's, it is okay to have someone with you in appointments. And if, sometimes it's good because if there's a lot of information coming at you, you have another person that can remember things, that can think about questions, and it just kind of takes some of that anxiety off. And I think we can normalize having like a support person with you, not just when you're in labor. <laughs> and and then I also think that when we when we're thinking about like how to set ourselves up for best health outcomes I also think that there's some responsibility to know our, our health history know our family history make sure that we do have someone who's providing our general wellness care so that when we do decide that we want to have children or do anything that could potentially affect our health that we have optimized things as much as possible beforehand. So that's, that's kind of like my patient things to do. And then, you know, for clinicians, there, there's a lot about medicine that does not help us take better care of people. You know, we get 15 minute appointments and, our patients definitely don't have 15-minute problems. <laughs> and so, and, and there's the medical record system. And you, we're sitting on a computer when we could be making eye contact, all of those things. And so I, I don't know what the fix is. But I will say that I feel like patients appreciate when I acknowledge what the problems are hey, like I know that you are watching the news and Serena Williams is talking about how people didn't order the tests they should have and she had a blood clot. Hey, I know that it feels like you've met a different doctor every time you come through, but I want you to know like, we all know who you are. We know your story. We all know what's important to you. Like those things instill confidence. And so a lot of the mistrust in the medical community, I think some of it could be helped with relationship and feeling like your doctor actually knows who you are and appreciates your differences. And so that would be my feedback for clinicians. For lawmakers, I mean, there is just an attack on women's rights and reproductive choices and i think that it is very apparent that women's health and survival is not not the priority because i feel like and i'm just going to be frank all of this abortion legislation and forcing women to carry pregnancies that may be dangerous to their health in my in my in my field sometimes i have to tell a person that a pregnancy could kill them. And and so to have to then take such a terrible situation and make it a legal issue I think is just so devastating. But if we really supported birthing people, if we really supported them and wanted them to have a life that was fulfilled and had opportunity, then we would also have funding for their children when they get here and we would make sure that schools and food access was equitable and so I think that we also need to really look at what our priorities are as a nation. And I think this is a great opportunity for research and policy to kind of come together because there's so much research that is addressing now the structural racism and social determinants of health. And so we need our policymakers and our researchers to talk to each other and actually like make evidence-based recommendations. And then for my activists, my people, (laughs) I my yeah my advice would be please don't count out the doctors because sometimes I feel like there's such a tension between like what happens in the hospital and what's happening in the community and there's just so much opportunity for us to work together and there are a lot of people like me who want to work together and so I would love for there to be more collaboration there
1: I'm I'm with you I felt like you was doing a campaign I was going to back. (laughs) you
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's my platform for 2020.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes, and and that's all. Like, <laughs> I hope everyone listening like really, like really process what you said there, because as you were saying it, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's that's the things that I like to hear. Those are the things my my clients that I support want to hear and know that they have a provider that really has their back and they're acknowledged yeah. you know and the god healthcare is so big it's, it's mm-hmm. so big you know and it's so lacking in trust and you got to build that bridge and collaborate you know and anyone doing this work it should be a collective effort to combat these outcomes i'm with you 100 okay. percent. what are you most grateful for in your mm. work
0: I feel very blessed to be doing what I do. I feel very blessed to be in this point in my life where I'm able to spend time and effort on things that I care about and things that will impact not only the patient that's in front of me, but hopefully families and generations. So that that is something I'm very grateful for. It's actually making me emotional to think about. <laughs> and, I, and I'm grateful for like platforms like this. I love that, you know, they are giving black women the mic we will take it. <laughs> and Yes. And we, we are starting to have our voices and spaces that they haven't been in before and people are listening. And so I'm really grateful because that's how change is going to happen by elevating the people we haven't elevated before.
1: Yeah. What gives you hope moving mm-hmm. forward?
0: Moving forward, well, probably along the same line. So like, I just took this new job and I'm at like our academic center in Indiana. And having grown up in Northwest Indiana, where we were like the only black family out there and, and there weren't a lot of black doctors in the community. I have been pleasantly surprised and very encouraged by the support from my institution for the work that I do. And it's from a like, university standpoint, but it has trickled down to our department. And I feel like my chair is one of the biggest supporters of like me doing this work. And, you know, we talked about this before. It's hard. These are hard conversations. Sometimes it doesn't garnish the best publicity. You have a lot of people who will come against you, but to have my job supporting me, that gives me hope that the culture is changing and that that real change is going to come because we know that like the grassroots efforts and the people doing the work on the ground is important, but we need changes at the top and at the leadership level.
1: That gives me hope. I, I feel that hope as well. I feel like something's shifting. Yeah. Shifting in, in a way that may not be very clear to everyone, but on the inside doing the work, you can, you can see it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big shift. Are we glad when it's reflective on everywhere? So I guess my my, my final question is, will you be coming back to North Carolina?
0: Oh Oh my gosh, to visit. You know, I was there for seven years and from the day I left, to basically like up until I found my my new job, I was telling my mama, I was like, move to North Carolina, just come to North Carolina. And I thought the weather would convince them, but all my family is here, so that that was my my Midwest pullback. And I'm I'm glad we're closer to family, but I do miss North Carolina. I miss all my people at UNC, uh, all the lovely people like you.
1: <laughs> I hope I hope you get to come visit soon. You know, and Cause that would be that would be something to celebrate, you know. We need to toast to this. Everything. I would love said. that. <laughs> is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about you? Cause she, you are phenomenal. Like I'm like.
0: How are you? Oh my gosh! I so the only other thing I would say is if you if you want to keep up with my research and what I'm doing, you can find me on Instagram. At Mrs. Mommy MD, I'm also on Twitter, Jasmine R. Johnson, and I'm hoping to like start kind of chronicling how it is, getting my my research off the ground. so so please, please find me on the socials.
1: <laughs> yes, find her on the socials, please, everyone <laughs> and try to convince her to come back to North Carolina. <laughs> Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. I hope to continue discussions with you and continue the connection. Greatly appreciate you being here.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to stay between just us. Subscribe, leave us five stars and share this with your network so more people can find the podcast.